Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Good morning. Happy Easter. It is great to be back with you this week. Before I start, Given that we haven't had an Easter Friday, a Good Friday service together, although some of you may have been watching uh, the churches together in Whitstable online on Friday, I thought it'd be great to start by setting the scene for looking back, casting our minds back a few days to Good Friday. So we're going to start by watching a short video. And this video is Good Friday from the Apostle Peter's perspective. And as you're watching this, why don't you imagine yourself as Peter? Put yourself in Peter's shoes. Try to feel what he would be feeling. Try to understand his emotions and his thoughts and think about how you would respond if you were in Peter's position. So let's watch this video together now and then we'll come back together. You're the Christ. He asked us who he said he was. That's what he said. You're the Christ. You know he rode a donkey into Jerusalem, right? People laying down a procession of palm leaves for the one we'd all been waiting for. It was like one of those pinch me moments. Then Passover came. Me and the boys are tucking into the flatbread and Jesus just comes out with it. One of you dipping bread in the balsamic's gonna turn me in, he said. Then he takes the bread, tears and shares it. What are you waiting for? Tuck in, he said. This is my body, broken, beaten, bruised for you. Then he gives thanks and passes round the red. Drink up, he said. This is my blood, poured out for plenty. A bit later, we're up the Mount of Olives with Jesus. You know, when push comes to shove, you're all going to bail on me, he said. No chance, I said. The rest of them might. I'm not going anywhere, I said. Count on it, he said. Before the night's over, you'll swear blind you don't even know me, he said. On my life, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you, I said. It all happened so fast. One minute, we're with Jesus as he's praying up Gethsemane and we're sparked out unconscious the next. They've got Jesus in handcuffs. And all they can remember is what he said. That we'll bail on him. That we'll deny him. That I'll deny him. I'm not having it, I thought. He's got it wrong, I thought, so I drew out my sword, I gripped my teeth and I let rip. I cut this guy's ear clean off. Come on, let's have it! Enough, Jesus said. As he just goes quietly and I just legged it. I tailed him till we ended up at the chief priest's place. Me, in the courtyard, outside by the fire, him, inside, Stand in trial, (laughs) trial. Witnesses fabricating fake news, trying to pin something on Jesus that would land a death penalty. 
You got nothing to say, they said. No defence, they said. Go to him, give it to us straight. Are you the Christ, they said. I am, he said. Enough said. As the guards struck him, stripped him and spat on him. Bang! Go on! Prophesy you landed that right up, they said. Meantime, I'm warming my hands by the fire, trying to keep a low profile. Although there's only so much blending in you can do when you're watching your best mate and mentor get the living daylights kicked out of him. Hang about. I know you, the servant girl said. Must have one of those faces, I said. No, you're uh, one of his lot from Nazareth, she said. Don't know what you're talking about, love, I said. I made a beeline for the exit, but now she's got a captive audience, eh? Guess who he's friends with, she said. Thinks she's had a bit too much of the Merlot, I said, but they won't let it go. I could see them eyeballing me, working it out in their head. Come on, mate. If you're not from Galilee, I'll eat my own sandal on my mother's life. I've not even met the guy. The cockle crows a second time. And that's when I see him. Tossed around like a tear and share flatbread. Broken, beaten, bruised. Just like he said. And with a bottle's worth of red blood smeared across his face, he looks at me. He looks right at me, right into the depths of me. And all I can remember is what I said. I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. Three times you've denied me, Pete, he said. And I just broke down and wept. <sighs> If you've been watching at all online over the past year now, you may have heard me speak quite a few times. And the observant amongst us would have caught on to the fact that I love when looking at scripture, I love putting myself in the character's shoes. I love to imagine how I would be in that place. I love to feel like this is me that I'm reading about because it helps me understand what's going on in the passage. I find that a passage comes to life when we can feel the emotions that are being felt by the people that we are reading about. That is why I find that video that we just watched together so powerful. Because what it does is it shows us how Peter may have been feeling in that moment. It's easy to read scripture and forget about the emotions, to forget about how people were feeling, what they were thinking, to forget about Peter's part on Good Friday. But this video allows us to become Peter, to see Good Friday from the perspective of Peter. I mean, Jesus was his best mate. Jesus was his mentor, his community. So when Jesus told Peter that 
he will deny him three times, that Peter was going to deny Jesus three times. Peter would have been furious. No chance. Not me. That's not what I'm like. I am loyal. I am not going to deny you one time, let alone three. In fact, he was so determined that he was loyal to Jesus, that he was Jesus's, uh, that he had Jesus's back, that he would not deny him, that this thing that Jesus said would not come true, that when guards came to arrest Jesus, the adrenaline came into Peter and he thought, no, I'm going to prove myself here. I'm not going to deny him. And he went and he chopped off the ear of the guard. I'll show you. He thought, I'm not going to deny you. So when he caught Jesus's eye, having denied him three times, he would have been devastated. In the moment that Jesus needed me most, in the moment that was his worst moment of his life, when he was about to be crucified, when he was being beaten, I let him down. I let Jesus down. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve him. Can anyone relate to that feeling? Feeling that you're not good enough because of something you've done or because of your past? Feeling that you've let God down or even the feeling that you've let a mate down or not been as loyal as you would have liked to be. A few years ago, I was talking to a friend who had been in church all his life. He was pretty certain that God exists. He believed that what the Bible said about God was true and he'd even experienced the Holy Spirit. But he said to me, I cannot bring myself to follow God. I cannot bring myself to fully commit to God. I cannot bring myself to go all in. And I have to admit, I was really confused. When he told me this, I thought, well, surely if you believe what the Bible says about God and if you've experienced him, surely you would want to follow him. So I asked him, why? Why do you struggle to go all in? Why can you not follow God when you believe these things? And this was his reason. He told me, I've done a lot of bad things, a lot of things that I'm not proud of. I don't feel good enough for God. I don't feel good enough or Christian enough to follow God. God couldn't really love me when I've done all this rubbish. Even after being in the church for years, he felt because of his failings that he was worthless. Even after being in church for years, he felt because of his failings that he was worthless. But that's not what the Bible says or what Jesus's death and resurrection shows. 
Let me explain it this way. I have this 20 pound note, fresh out of the cash point machine. If I said to you that I would give this cash to anyone who wanted it, I'm pretty certain that you would all be keen. You'd all be up for having this 20 pound note given to you. But the thing is with money, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it's just paper. So you could just screw it up like this. It's just paper, isn't it? Now it's just screwed up paper. But would anyone want it now? Surely not. It's all screwed up. Why would anyone want this? Oh, look at this. When you get rid of it, it's got loads of creases in it now. Would anyone want it? And if I put it on the floor and stamped on it and rubbed it into the carpets, I don't know if the uh, carpet's very clean, but if I rubbed it into the carpets, would anyone still want this 20 pound note? Now I imagine that most of you would be quite keen to still have this 20 pound note given to you. So here's the question, why would anyone still want this money after it had been all screwed up? Well, they'd want it because it's still valuable. It hasn't lost its value because of it being screwed up. It's not worth any less now it's been screwed up and rubbed into a dirty carpet than it would have, uh, than the value it was prior to me doing that. The Bible tells us that we were created by God. And when we were created, we were God's most prized asset. He looked at you and he looked at me and he thought, wow, you were worth everything to him. But as you read the Bible, the narrative echoes something that if we're honest, we see in our own lives. We, God's creation, turned our back on the creator. We mess up, we make mistakes, we live selfish lives and we reject God. That's what sin is. Sin is turning our back on God and trying to live life my way. The problem with sin is that it separates us from God. I guess this might be why someone may feel like they're not good enough to follow God, that God couldn't love them, that they're worthless. But the gospel tells us the complete opposite. Just like how that £10 note is dirty, is screwed up, yet no less valuable, 
The gospel narrative shows us that our brokenness, our sin and our shame make us no less valuable to God than when he first created us. If you feel worthless, if you feel angry at yourself, maybe maybe you feel angry that you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve during lockdown. Maybe you feel like you've wasted this time. Maybe like me, you said to yourself at the start, this is an amazing opportunity to spend all my time with God. And then it didn't plan out that way. Maybe you've drifted from God during lockdown. Or maybe you've just completely rejected him. You may feel like because of this, that you're worthless, that you don't have the worth, that you've let God down. But the truth is you are worth everything to God. How do we know that? Because God himself came into the world through the person of Jesus born as a baby to live a perfect life and to die for you. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he sent his only son. How much are you worth to God? Everything. Everything. But the narrative of the gospel isn't only about God showing us how much we mean to him, although it is partly, it is a love story. But it isn't only about God showing us how much we mean to him. Jesus lived a life pointing people to the Father, loving the outcasts and showing godly living. His life proved that everyone is loved by God, no matter what they have done, no matter what they've done, everyone is loved by God. And if you want real proof of that, it's the death of Jesus. Because we all sin and turn our back on God, the result is eternal separation from him, from God. But God didn't want to be separated from us. He loves you so much, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you will do. He loves you so much that he came to the earth in the form of Jesus, fully God, fully man, and died as a ransom for you. Jesus became the perfect sacrifice in order to reunite us with our creator. He was the perfect sacrifice in order to reunite us with the creator, to get rid of that separation that sin has caused. Jesus died on the cross to reunite us. And that is why Jesus, as he took his final breath, he said, it is finished. Because in this moment, Not only does God prove your worth, but he offers forgiveness for your past, present and future sins. 
In one sense, it was finished. In another, a new chapter was beginning. Was beginning. Luke 24 says this, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in cloths that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you whilst he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they've remembered his words. Three days after being crucified, Jesus rose from the dead. And in doing so, he declared victory over sin, death and evil. In his death, he removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. And in his resurrection, he declared victory over sin and death, that it would no longer have a hold on us. This is why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate God's victory. Jesus declares that not only is he Lord, but that he reigns over death and over evil. Jesus broke the hold of death and offers us a free gift. And the gift is this, relationship. Relationship with him for eternity. It doesn't matter what you've done, whether you feel like you've let God down. It isn't reliant on you passing a test. God offers us all, God offers you this morning, forgiveness and relationship with your creator. And he was willing to give everything, to give everything in order to be able to offer you this gift because you are so valuable to him. All we have to do is say yes. Maybe this is the first time you've heard this, or maybe you've heard it hundreds and hundreds of times. But I do want to give the opportunity for anyone who wants to, to say yes to Jesus for the first time this morning. God is chasing after you because he loves you and because he longs for relationship with you. And there's no special thing you need to do to say yes to God. There's no special prayer you need to pray for saying yes to God. But in a moment, 
I'm going to invite everyone to bow your heads and shut your eyes if you like. And I want to encourage you to have a moment of quiet between you and God. And if in that moment you want to, you can say in your hearts, yes, yes. I'm then going to say a very simple prayer. And if you have just said yes to God, or if you want to do it for the first time, then maybe you can just echo this prayer in your heart. Like I said, there's no special prayer. But if you want to echo this prayer in your heart, then you're more than welcome to do so. So why don't we have a moment of quiet now, just between you and God, and then I'll pray. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you love me. I'm sorry for when I have rejected you. Show me what it means to follow you. Amen. If you've just said yes to God for the first time, then we are so happy for you and welcome to the family of followers of Jesus. But do speak to me and do speak to um to someone that you came that uh, that invited you to join us today, or to uh, Simon and Keeley or Martin, we'd love to support you in any way that we can. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen, and there's only one way to finish our Resurrection Sunday service, and that is with celebration of this most extraordinary truth. So the band are going to lead us now in our final song, Happy Day. So let's celebrate together. Jesus is risen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.